You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stefan James, founder of projectlifemastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stefan from Project Life Mastery and today I'm gonna to share with you how to overcome anxiety in your life. I'm gonna share with you five different ways that you can overcome your anxiety, which have been incredibly effective for me in my life. It's worked for me, it's worked for many others, and I truly believe what I share can benefit and work for you as well. Now, I'm not sure if you know my background and my story, but I used to suffer from a lot of anxiety when I was younger. Uh, when I was in high school, I had so much anxiety that I'd often skip school. I felt anxiety around going to school, being around classmates. I remember specific scenarios when there'd be a presentation that I'd have to give in front of the whole class, and I'd much rather skip that class and take the zero than actually showing up and give the presentation. That's how bad it was. I had anxiety around girls. I had anxiety around uh, strangers and, and just even people that I knew that I wasn't fully comfortable with, uh, being around groups of people. I even had anxiety around my job. Um, hated going to my job each day. My boss and that environment created anxiety for me. And even at different stages of growing and scaling a business with having higher responsibilities and obligations, even that created some anxiety for me as well. So I wanna share with you guys some of the most important things that I've learned that have helped me overcome my anxiety. And whenever anxiety does appear in my life, which it does from time to time, I always go back to these five things. Now the five things I'm gonna share with you are not the end all be all. There's many other ways and strategies that you can overcome anxiety. But these are some of the best and some of the most important ones that I could share with you guys. And really what I wanna to try to accomplish with this too is how can we resolve the root of what's creating the anxiety in the first place? Because oftentimes people treat the symptom of anxiety but they're not addressing the root cause. Um, for me, for example, when I felt anxiety, I'd always look for ways to escape and avoid that emotion because I was not comfortable with that feeling. And that's what oftentimes people do. They go to food or they go to a drug 
or they go to alcohol or marijuana or they might you know, go on the internet and watch pornography or shop or watch YouTube videos or play video games. All different ways to change how you feel because you're not comfortable with that anxiety. And it's kind of like a, a temporary solution. It changes how you feel and gives you some relief short term, but it doesn't solve what's really going on. For me, video games was my escape. Video games is the way that I got my comfort and my relief, but it actually made things worse long term over time. And that's something I'm going to address and talk a little bit, little bit about with number five of what I'm going to share with you today. So let's dive in. The first one that I want to share with you guys, and I think is one of the most valuable ones, and it's really two that uh, I'm kind of combining here, but each of them kind of deserve its own place in and of itself. Um, the, the first one is meditation and breath work. Meditation and breath work. Now, why is this important? Well, let me ask you this. Where does anxiety live? For you to feel anxiety, what's the pattern of it in terms of where do you put your focus? Do you put your focus in life in your past, in the present moment, the here and now, or off in the future? Now, anxiety is only experienced when you're focused in the future. It's not in the present moment, it's not here in the, in the here and now because when you focus on the future, anxiety, we gotta understand what is it? It's an emotion that actually has a positive intent. It's, it's designed to protect you, to, to help you take some sort of action to avoid a potential pain that could occur in your future. Most often, it's, and we're gonna address this, is that you've experienced pain in your past so you might say, well, no, I focus on my past and that's what produces anxiety for me. No, you've experienced some pain in your past, some trauma or some sort of event that occurred that was uncomfortable for you. And what's happening is you're afraid that you're gonna experience that same pain in your future. And so you're really just projecting something that occurred in your past to your future and you're experiencing it in the present. And so for example, if you um, have anxiety around your job, uh, most often it's because in your mind, your brain is overly stimulated, it's overly active, and it's thinking about the worst possible scenarios. It's thinking about, oh my gosh, if I go to my job, what if I make a mistake again? Or you know, this certain uh, event or occurrence that was painful happened at my job, and, and you now link, and you feel that anxiety every time that you go to your job, or with your boss, maybe your boss is not the nicest person and has high demands of you, and, and there's certain responsibilities and obligations that you're, you're, you're creating, you're feeling this anxiety because you feel this fear that, oh my gosh, what if this happens or what if that happens? And you're thinking of the worst possible scenarios, which can be useful as a useful intent. But most often the things that we fear, the things that we feel anxiety around don't come to fruition. We spend a lot of time just worrying and feeling anxious around things that aren't really things that, um, they're kind of irrational. They don't really, um, it doesn't really make sense to spend much time focusing on it because the chances of it happening is slim to none. So that's an example of why it occurs. And so what meditation does is it takes you away from the future and it brings you to the present moment, the here and now. So meditation is the process of you sitting in silence. Okay, sitting in silence. There's many different ways you can meditate. You can actually meditate standing. There's actually movement types of meditations. But the purpose of it is when you have your thoughts when you have um, your, monkey, your monkey mind going off, you know, and thinking about all the different things that are going on that are producing anxiety for you. Meditation is the process of you being able to calm your mind, being able to watch and observe those thoughts, almost like they're clouds that are floating by. They come and go, that's what your thoughts are. Your, your thoughts are not permanent. They're not even that original or unique. You're at, you have the same thoughts, the same worries, the same concerns as everyone else on the planet. 
And so these thoughts, they come and go. And as when you, when you practice meditation, you're not attaching to those thoughts. You're not judging those thoughts as good or bad or creating a label for them. All you're doing is you're watching and you're observing. And so meditation is when you just sit there in silence and you focus on a focal point. And, and I think one of the best ways to do that is to focus on your breath. So you focus on your breath, which is bringing you back to the present moment, the here and now. And when you focus on your breath, what you'll find is that your mind is going to go off. It's going to be thinking about what you got to do today or certain things that are going on in your life, things that are creating anxiety for you. Now, the key to meditation is just to have awareness of that when it does occur, because oftentimes it's so automatic, it's so habitual, we don't think about it, but have awareness of it to catch it and say, hey, this is what my mind is doing right now. It's having these thoughts. Interesting. I'm not going to attach to them. I'm not going to um, you know, judge them. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail of these thoughts. All I'm going to do is I'm going to observe, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to bring myself back to the present moment, back to my breath, back to my focal point. And then you're going to do that for another 10 or 15, 30 seconds maybe, and your mind's going to go off again. And then again, it's just having that awareness to catch it and bring yourself back to your breath. And your mind, you're going to have this dance of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But over time of practicing meditation, you learn how to calm your mind. The thoughts become less and less. It becomes a lot more manageable. Um, it doesn't produce that same emotion of anxiety that it once did before. And we live in this world where we're overly stimulated through technology, through social media, through all the things that are happening simultaneously in our lives. I think it's crucial to have a practice, whether it's 10 minutes a day, just to calm your mind, to reel it in and have that silence for your mind and to train it like a muscle. Because the more that you practice this, the easier it gets, the more effective it gets, and the less anxiety that you're going to have. Excuse me. So I think meditation is a must for someone that has anxiety, especially in this crazy world that we live in today, because our brains haven't evolved to live in this world that we live in now. It's something I'm going to talk a little bit later about, because technology has really benefited our lives in so many incredible ways, but it's also created some negative consequences for our brain and, and our mental health. Um, if you think about it, you know, human beings have lived thousands and thousands of years without technology and something like the internet and smartphones and computers, they're relatively new. You know, over the last 10 years, the world's changed so much. 20 years, it's changed incredibly. 30 years, you know, with uh, the invention of the internet and just the mainstream adapt, uh, adaption to it, it's changed our lives in so many ways that our brains have not caught up. They don't know how to deal with all the stimulation of what we're experiencing. So meditation is a, a practice. It's been around for thousands of years. A lot of um, you know religions and different uh, traditions speak about it and the benefits. And there, there's a reason why it stood the test of time and why it's still relevant today. In fact, I think it's even more relevant and more important. Now, some ways you can meditate and kind of get into it are using some of these guided meditation apps. I like the Calm app, uh, C-A-L-M, the Calm app, as well as there's Headspace and there's many others that you can find. Now, breath work, I want to quickly talk about this before we go into the other ones. Um, another way I look at things is that your mind is like a kite and your breath is like the wind. And so the breath, the wind is what controls the mind or the kite. And so when you focus on your breath and you take deep diaphragmic breaths, what it does is it calms the mind. It brings it again back to the present moment, the here and now. And, and in the here and now, there's no anxiety. The here and now, right now, as you're sitting here watching this, 
um, wherever you are right now in the world, in whatever environment that you're in, if you really focus just on this moment and you delete everything else that's going on, you'll be in the here and now. But oftentimes people, they escape the here and now, the present, by going to their mind off into the future. And that's what is producing the anxiety. So breath work is a way to bring yourself to the present and there's actually a lot of physio physiological benefits of how it helps you with your anxiety. Now, breath work is a huge topic. I'll give you guys two different techniques. The first one is called box breathing. Box breathing is actually a technique from the Navy SEALs as what they do to slow down their heart rate in very stressful and high anxiety environments. Um, and it's pretty simple. All you gotta do is you take an inhale for the count of let's say five. Okay, so when you inhale, you can try it right now with me if you wanna participate in this video. So take a deep breath in, one, two, three, four, five, and then you're gonna hold it for five seconds, okay? So hold, one, two, three, four, five, good. And now you're gonna exhale on the count of five. Okay, good. And then you're gonna pause and hold it for also a count of five. Good, and now you're gonna take another deep breath in for the count of five, hold it for the count of five, exhale for the count of five, and then hold it for the count of five, and you're gonna repeat that. Now you can do five to start, you can increase the count to seven or 10, or even longer than that if you're able to, to do that, but that's a fantastic way, if you just do that for five or 10 minutes, your anxiety is gonna to start to dissipate. The second technique is Wim Hof breathing. Now you might already know about Wim Hof. If you don't, I recommend that you go to YouTube, type in Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F, and uh, he has, he's known as the Iceman, and someone that's been able to break world records in terms of uh, being exposed to cold, cold exposure, and being able to hold his breath for long periods. He's been studied uh, by different scientists and whatnot, and they've found some incredible benefits to our mental health and our immune system, everything related to cold exposure, but also to breath work. And he has a breathing practice that um, is incredibly powerful. I do it almost every day. And there's actually a guided practice that he has here on YouTube you can find if you just type in Wim Hof breathing. But basically it involves you taking in um, deep breaths, so strong inhales and exhales of a count of 30, so 30 different breaths. And then you hold your breath for a minute or for as long as you can. And you can even build up to a minute and a half and two minutes, but you hold it and then you, um, and then you take another deep breath in for um, a, a deep breath in and you hold that for 15 seconds and then you repeat the process again and again. You do it for about 10 minutes and it's one of my favorite practices of what I do as a way to relieve anxiety, but also just to put me in a great state and with all the health benefits that it provides. So I'll put a link to that below for you guys, uh, his guided um, breathing exercise here on YouTube. I'll put that in the description for you guys to benefit from as well. It's actually one of the rituals that I've included in my 67 Morning Ritual Habits book. I've got a book on Amazon that goes into these habits and these rituals of what you can add to your morning routine because I think that oftentimes people, they wait to meditate or do breath work when they feel the anxiety I think the smarter way is to set up a routine for yourself every single day so that whether you feel anxiety or not, don't wait for the anxiety to occur. Have the habit already where you spend 10 minutes meditating, doing some breath work, because that's gonna help you avoid feeling that anxiety later throughout the day. It's gonna put you in a much better state, okay? So that's number one. Number two, and by the way, if you guys are enjoying this video, I'd appreciate a thumbs up here on YouTube. Okay. 
Number two is to move your body. That says body. <laughs> move your body. Um, moving your body, your physiology is one of the best ways that you can relieve yourself from any anxiety that you're feeling. Um, there's been a lot of studies and research is showing how exercise, what it does for depression and anxiety. It's more powerful than even antidepressants and a lot of medications. And so you gotta understand that movement, emotion, which is what anxiety is, is an emotion, is energy in motion. And when you change the way you use your body, it's gonna change how you feel. Because there's a certain physiology, if we were to look at uh, 100 people that feel and experience anxiety, there's a certain physiology of how their body is when they're in that state of anxiety. How is their breathing when they feel anxious, when you feel anxious? Is it full or is it shallow? Usually it's shallow. Most people when they feel anxiety, they stop breathing in some cases or they take very shallow breaths. And that's gonna affect your body and how you feel. A lot, oftentimes people feel anxiety, their shoulders might be down, their head might be down, they might be pacing. And the reason why you even pace or you move around is because you have that energy in your body that you want to release. And so one of the best ways you can release it is by doing some radical movements in your body. So some of the simple things that I do, and these are things I do every day, is I put on music and I dance. I dance. I found just putting on music, putting on your favorite song and just dancing and moving your body, it changes how you feel. It just changes your blood flow. It changes your physiology and it relieves whatever that the anxiousness or that anxiety is in your body. It relieves that from your body. Uh, another great thing to do is going for a walk, going for a run, lifting weights, going for a bike ride, uh, doing things like yoga. All of these things that engage your body are important because your body and your mind are connected. And when you realize that if you, if you hack that with your body, it's gonna change that anxiety that you feel on a regular basis. And I think that moving your body and exercise is something that you include daily in your life, daily in your life, because if you do deal with anxiety but you're not prioritizing exercise, then, which is one of the most valuable things of what you can do and studies show that, then are you really committed to overcoming anxiety? I would, I would argue no. So you gotta prioritize this. You gotta take the time to get outside, move your body, even though yes, you might even have anxiety around getting out of your house and uh, you know being in different public scenarios. But that's actually something that will benefit you as well as pushing your comfort zone a little bit here and there because when you do get out of the house and you do do those things that once scared you or gave you anxiety around, you're actually now creating evidence for your mind to say that, hey, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought. Things are actually quite safe. Um, I don't need to have this anxiety. I don't need to have this fear as I once did. You know, I remember, um, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine, her mom is, gets anxiety around driving a car. And um, she's lately had to drive more often to be able to visit her friend, uh, to visit her, her daughter. And actually it gave her confidence that the anxiety has been going away because the anxiety ex exists when she would be at home ruminating about, oh my gosh, getting in a car and just all the, images and all the visuals should play out in her mind of how scary it would be. But when she actually started getting in her car and getting out of the house and driving on the highway and whatnot, it gave her confidence and the anxiety started to go away just from doing the very things that were scary or creating that anxiety for her. So it's the same sort of thing. Now, the third thing that I want to share with you guys is to heal your pain. Heal your pain. Now, why is this important? Well, the pain is one perspective, one theory that I have of why we have the anxiety in the first place. Now, if you think about it, you've experienced some sort of pain in your past, 
Okay, some sort of traumatic event might have occurred that could have been from childhood even. So for example, oftentimes people have anxiety today in their lives because when they were kids, they lived in a household that wasn't the most positive, it wasn't the most supportive. Um, maybe you had parents that were yelling and arguing all the time. And you gotta realize, you know, if you did have parents that were you know, negative or complained a lot or yelling or uh, you know, kind of you know, critical of you and putting you down or you had a level of abuse that occurred in your childhood or even just certain scenarios going to school and having other kids pick on you and tease you, all of those things, when you're a kid and you're highly suggestible, you can be imprinted so easily by these events and these occur occurrences in your life that those experiences can create a, a form of trauma that, that produces anxiety later. And that's why, for example, I had social anxiety is because when I was younger, my parents were yelling and arguing and fighting a lot. Uh, my dad was very critical of me. And even in school, I got bullied and picked on. I went to multiple schools. I felt a lot of pain, essentially. I had many different things. Pain, pain, pain. It's a stacking of that pain. And then what happens is if you experience all those pains, now today you're trying to avoid experiencing that pain. And so you have this anxiety around your parents or around relationships perhaps because you can link and associate things from your parents' relationships to your relationships or you know going to social gatherings or whatnot, whatever it might be. Um, I had certain moments of being embarrassed and humiliated when I was younger and that, created, that was very painful and created some anxiety by being around other people because I didn't want to feel that again. And so when you realize that oftentimes this anxiety is because of pain and trauma that we experienced in the past that we haven't yet resolved or healed. And it's almost like if you have on your arm a wound and there's a scab there and it hasn't healed, well, you can come by with the feather and just barely touch it and you're gonna react. You're gonna feel, you're gonna feel a pain from that because you haven't fully healed it. But if you heal the wound, then you come back with the feather, you can grab it, you can scratch it, you can whatever, it's healed now. It's no longer gonna produce that anxiety. It's not gonna produce the pain that you felt before. So it's the same sort of idea. And healing your past pain is a process and a journey that I think we all should go through in our lives that's a lifelong journey. Um, there's so many different things of what you can do here. And I'll share a few with you guys and I've shared some in previous videos and whatnot. Um, but number one, I think working potentially with a therapist someone who's very skilled that can help you to go back to certain events and occurrences in our life and change the meaning of those things. And of course, you can do that yourself. Uh, I actually have some trainings that go into how to change the meaning, reframing events that you once thought were painful or traumatic, and now finding the gift in it, finding the, pos the, the positive lessons, the positive value in those events. And when you do that, you no longer feel that pain that you once did around it, but you feel neutral to it. You know, It doesn't really affect you as much. Um, so therapists can be incredibly effective in helping and guiding you with that, um, as well as uh, doing inner child work, uh, shadow work. Uh, you could do. Um, uh, you can even use certain psychedelics, like mushrooms, have been used, and MDMA therapy has been used for trauma and pain from the past, and is now becoming uh, legalized in some parts of the world. Uh, even using plant medicines like ayahuasca, which is something that I've shared my experience with on my YouTube channel and how that's helped me um, to release a lot of that anxiety or fears or pains or traumas or whatever it might be through my past. Um, there's even therapies like EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Um, that's something that helps people overcome their traumas in their life as well. There's so many things that you can do, but 
that has to be a practice for you, addressing that, changing the, you know, uh, healing yourself from whatever you've experienced in your past so that you can be whole and you don't have to be triggered by things anymore in the way that you are today with creating that anxiety. Many small business owners are busier than ever because they're more focused on managing and growing their businesses, unfortunately leaving little time for them to focus on recruiting and hiring new staff. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. Now, with my experience running Project Life Mastery and running multiple online businesses, for me, my business scaled and grew to the next level once I started to remove myself from the business and hiring staff, hiring A-level players that could grow my business, that had experience, the skill sets that I needed, and I could offload those responsibilities to them. It's when I was making those moves in my business, I became the business owner, not just the business operator. And as the saying goes, you want to work on your business and not in your business. And that's why I love hiring and recruiting and why LinkedIn jobs can be fantastic for you if you have your own business. Now, you can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of over 740 million professionals. You can fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation that you need. And then you can use simple tools to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. So LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. And your first job post is free. Just visit www.linkedin.com slash PLM. Again, that's linkedin.com slash PLM to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So number four... Okay, this is a really good one, guys, is to surrender and let go of control. Surrender and let go of control. Anxiety, part of the source of it is you trying to control things in your life. And control is an illusion because we don't really have full control in our lives. Uh, Life is risky. It's so risky that you're not even going to make it out alive. Um, Everything is risky in life. Having a relationship is risky. Going to a job is risky. Getting in your car every day is a risk. Um, to, um, you know, uh, starting a business is a risk. All these things are risky in our lives. And oftentimes, they can all result in potential pain. And what happens is because people that have anxiety, they're trying to avoid experiencing pain, they try to control everything in their lives. And you don't have full control. You only have influence at best. You can influence some outcomes in your life, but there's going to be things that happen in our lives that we don't have control over. And they're going to affect us. And the key that I've learned is learning how to release the need for control. Not trying to control everything, but surrendering to life and the process of life. And trusting in a higher purpose. Trusting that everything is happening the way it's supposed to. Trusting that everything is happening for a reason and a purpose. And it's to serve me in my life. And to trust that life is happening for me and not to me. See, oftentimes people think life is happening to them, that they're a victim of everything that's happening and occurring in their lives. But what if it was the opposite? What if life was actually happening for you? That certain events that occur, that even though they might be painful, they might be challenging, there's actually a positive benefit in it. And if it wasn't for you going through it, you would have never gotten that positive benefit that could change your life for the better. I don't know about you. When I look back at my life, some of the most painful, most traumatic, most challenging events in my life, my worst days have actually become my best days. 
Because if it wasn't for those worst days about, you know, um, falling in love with this girl and having her break my heart, yes, that was painful in the moment, but it actually was one of my best experiences of life because it led me to changing myself, improving myself, or finding someone else that is a more suitable partner for me. So yes, it was painful, but it actually created a, a new positive course of directions in my life that made my life better where it is today. It helped me attract the woman of my dreams that I'm in a relationship with now. And if it wasn't for that painful event, I would have never had this benefit. And so sometimes we don't know when things happen in our lives, we, we kind of judge the, we judge it too soon. We judge uh, an experience is either good or bad. Um, and there's a great Chinese parable that I want to share with you. You probably heard it before, but there's this farmer and he has a horse and his horse ends up running away. And his neighbors and the village come to him and say, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. Your horse ran away and you lost your horse. And the farmer just responds, maybe, we'll see. What happens is the next day the horse comes back and actually brings with it eight other horses. So now he has nine horses and all the neighbors, all the people in the village, they come back to the farmer and say, oh my gosh, it's so great. You're so lucky. You, you got nine horses now. And the farmer responds, maybe. We'll see. And then what happens is his son is riding one of the horses and uh, something happens and he falls off the horse and he breaks his leg. And then sure enough, people in the village, the neighbors come and say, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. So, so sorry to hear that, that your son broke his leg. And the farmer just responded, maybe, we'll see. What happened was, I think a few weeks later, um, the army was coming to enlist people and recruit people for the army. And his son wasn't able to go to the army because he had a broken leg. And so he got a pass. And everyone in the village said, oh my gosh, you're so lucky your son didn't have to go. And the farmer responded, maybe we'll see. And so the moral of that story, of that parable, is that we can't judge things too soon. We might think, oh my gosh, losing a horse is the most horrible thing, but actually it ended up coming back and brought eight other horses with it. So, so, so sometimes... What seemingly appears on the surface like something that we don't want to have happen and occur in our lives, there can actually be a longer term benefit that we can't see just yet. And that's why it's best to reserve judgment, to not jump and say, uh, you know, this is uh, horrible and this is, you know, bad and why is this happening in my life? Trusting and surrendering that everything's going to work out, everything works out the way it's supposed to, and life is happening for me and not to me. I think that's really important. And one thing, one approach and technique, if you will, of what I kind of use this in my life, whenever something happens in my life, like let's say that I meet this amazing person and I have a new relationship, I, I look up, I look at God, I look at the universe, I say thank you, thank you, and I show appreciation for that flowing into my life. Then in the same way, that person, let's say that girl breaks my heart, doesn't want to be with me anymore. I respond in the same way. I look up and I say thank you. Thank you. And I just trust that that's happening for a reason and a purpose. And so whether it's good or whether it's bad, I say thank you and I show appreciation for it because I believe that everything is happening in my life for a reason. I might not know what that reason is, but everything in life, you can either accept it, you can change it, or you can do nothing. I much rather accept things in my life and not try to resist things as much because often whatever you resist will persist or change it, or utilize, do something about it. And sometimes these painful things that occur can be blessings in disguise and help us improve our lives and for the better. So 
that's a different belief system I want to share with you guys. If you want to learn more about this approach, uh, Michael Singer's got a great book called The Surrender Experiment. And he actually has a course called Living from a Place of Surrender. He also wrote a famous book called The Untethered Soul. So those are some books and resources you might want to look into. But changing your, your, your viewpoint can be helpful in helping you relieve anxiety and stresses um, that show up because you know, you're not trying to control things as much, which I think is just a recipe for failure. So the last one I want to share with you guys, and this is one of the root causes, is to do something called a dopamine detox. Now, I've spoken about this before on my YouTube channel, talking about doing a dopamine detox. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter in our brain. It's also a hormone, but it gets released whenever there's anticipation of a reward. Anytime there's something new, anytime there's novelty, uh, we feel you know dopamine spike when you get into a new relationship, you get a new job, you buy a new pair of shoes, you get a new watch, you um, get anything that's brand new. Uh, even if you have a dessert or your favorite food or something that's you know high sugar or something like that, uh, you'll have a spike in your dopamine. Even around potentials for mating, um, pornography, gambling, alcohol, drugs, uh, shopping, all of these things can spike our dopamine. Video games and whatnot, social media, binge watching YouTube videos. These are all things that spike our dopamine. In fact, marketers of all these different companies know this and they get you addicted to their product by stimulating your dopamine levels. So for example, if you ever played video games today, especially these ones on your smartphone, so many of them have gamification in ways that you get certain rewards, you get coins, and you get tokens, and all these different things, and those are all designed to spike your dopamine, which actually gets you more addicted to playing that game. Now, dopamine is healthy, it's natural, we need it, it's what gives us motivation in our lives. The problem is we live in a world that's overstimulating our dopamine levels, and when you're using technology and you're engaging in all these things that spike your dopamine in ways that are unnatural, what happens is anything that comes up, you have a spike, it must come down. There's going to be a crash. And oftentimes people have this dopamine hangover, which can actually last a couple weeks based on a huge spike of dopamine. So for example, having an orgasm is one of the most pleasurable experiences that spikes our dopamine levels. You know, there's uh, some research that I've read that it actually takes two weeks for your brain to normalize. After that huge spike, you have a crash that you're kind of up and down in your dopamine levels for two weeks, and it takes two weeks to normalize from that experience. Now, the reason why this is important is because oftentimes all of these things that stimulate our dopamine, when you have a, a, a high and you come down, what happens is when you have low dopamine, you can have more anxiety and depression and you feel lazy, you don't feel motivated in your life, you kind of feel this numbness. And that's something that I realized uh, a number of years ago and when I recognized it, I actually realized the consequences of using technology so much and how our brains haven't really adapted and evolved because technology is relatively new over the last 20, 30 years, you know, with the internet and smartphones, all these things that we've lived for thousands of years without. And that's uh, our brains have evolved, but not evolved to adapt as much and the changes that have occurred in our world over the last 20, 30 years. So there's a negative effect that overstimulate your dopamine can have. 
is out, it's no longer easy to get dopamine spikes from just normal things. Like if you, for example, constantly play video games and you're stimulated by that or spend time on your, your, your phone or your computer and social media and you're eating junk food, now how do you get dopamine from just going for a walk or just you know, being in a relationship with someone? You know, that's why, for example, a lot of men struggle when they watch a lot of pornography and it's spiking their dopamine. It's creating all these different images of a whole variety of different women. And then they struggle being in a relationship with one person and, and making love to that person because their brain has been overstimulated in this way through pornography that they just don't get that same spike of dopamine in their brain when they're just with one person. You know, it's just they can't really compete. Reality can't compete with this fantasy world that is designed to get you addicted and overstimulate your dopamine levels. So what I've learned is doing a dopamine detox is a solution and cutting out and eliminating some of these things that are overstimulating your dopamine, which is not easy because when you have an addiction to something, it's because of the dopamine. And so we have a lot of things that we're addicted to that is affecting us and creating these mental health challenges. And when you start to remove these things from your life or set boundaries around it, your brain can reset itself. It can normalize itself again. And you can experience dopamine in easier ways. And the anxiety and the depression, all those things start to dissipate. So a dopamine detox could be you just spending 24 hours without technology or things that overstimulate your dopamine. Uh, ideally, even doing longer than that if you can. Uh, for me, I have... Um, I use an, an, an iPhone and I use screen time on my phone and my computer, which allows me to limit how much time I can use certain apps. So for example, some limits that I have is I um, make it so that I can't use my computer or my phone before a certain time and in the morning time as well as in the evening time. Because I've tried to now spend my evening time, especially first thing in the morning, doing things like meditation and going for a walk and doing breath work, all these things away from computers and away from uh, devices, which all also stimulate my dopamine in more healthy and more natural ways. I also, for things like Instagram and Facebook, I limit it to only 30 minutes a day. So I have that limitation set up that, uh, you know, someone else has my, my password for it, and so I can't get, you know, use it if I want to, but 30 minutes is all I get to use on Instagram and Facebook, and so I'm not gonna spend hours and hours and hours just being reactive and, and, and just scrolling through things and wasting time and um, you know getting addicted to something and having it overstimulate my dopamine levels. So that, that's an example of things that you can do to limit these things and even video games or whatever it is, to limit these things or potentially eliminate them for a period of time. That's what I've learned. And the same thing can go with sugar and junk food. It could be for pornography, it could be for gambling, it could be for marijuana, it could be for other drugs, alcohol, whatever those dopamine addictions are, if you go without them for a period of time, watch how your brain starts to normalize itself. Now, usually when you remove these things, it actually gets worse before it gets better. You have withdrawal symptoms, right? Because you've been training yourself to have this dopamine at such high amounts that now when you're getting less dopamine, from all these other things, you're gonna feel worse before you feel better. So it does take time for your brain to kind of reset itself and normalize when you remove these things. Um, and especially if these things have been a crux for you to always go to them to change how you feel when you have anxiety. What you're gonna to have to learn to do is when you remove these things from your life and you learn how to change how you feel with your breath, with meditation and just embracing it, then 
then you're actually solving things on a deeper level rather than just putting a band-aid on things and just having temporary relief, which is what people use these dopamine addictions for, temporary relief. But again, they make things worse, not actually making things better long-term. So that's what I'm a fan of, is really looking at the root of what's creating it. I believe that our lifestyles are big culprits of the anxiety, the depression, the mental health challenges we have. And it's just a matter of time before more of the world starts speaking up about it and realizing these effects, which is starting to happen now, um, but it's only going to continue as time goes on. So these are the five ways that I've learned have been some of the most important ways to overcome anxiety. Um, There's many more ways, and perhaps I'll do another video at another point sharing some more ways that are even more advanced and certain technologies that can really help you with that. Um, I did create a book. And I want to actually offer you something for free as well that can help you establish a morning ritual. Because I think that having a ritual in your life where proactively you're doing things to combat the anxiety that you might feel, you're taking a proactive approach, I think that's the best way. So having a ritual, what you do first thing in the morning is setting up your day the right way that's going to make it so that you feel less anxiety throughout your day and you can make progress. You can build that muscle of your meditation, your breathing, your body, all these different things. And so I do have a book called 67 Morning Ritual Habits. It's on Amazon. I'll link that for you guys. But uh, And it goes into 67 things that you can do for your mind, body, and your spirit. And a lot of them can help you with your anxiety. Um, but I also have a free um, kind of the first 20, 20 so rituals that I give away for free in what I call the Morning Ritual Cheat Sheet. And so that's something I want to offer you to, for free that I think can benefit you. I'll put a link below to it. But if you go to www.projectlifemastery.com slash cheat sheet, you go to a page, put in your name and email, and I'll send you an email that has a link to the PDF that you can download. And you can go through 27 of the morning rituals that can help you get on the path towards establishing that new habit, the new routines in your life to, to make yourself better. And that's really what the goal is, guys, is progress. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen overnight because you've conditioned yourself to also feel this emotion in your life. It's become your emotional home. And we got to rewrite that through reconditioning yourself to feel the emotions that you want to feel and experience, which is what these can help you be able to do. So if you enjoyed this video, give it a thumbs up here on YouTube. Subscribe here on Project Life Mastery for more videos on personal development, business, marketing, investing. Uh, Hit that bell icon to turn on notifications. And I look forward to seeing you again in the next video. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.